topics to talk about. Welcome, Coco. Glad you're with us. Hey, Charlene. Glad to be back as always. Hello, my dear. Glad to be back as always. You're really serving others. Is that just a calling for you? I believe so. I believe that I, I probably have been that way since I was a little girl. Just, you know, always helping, always sitting back, observing, seeing quietly, sitting in the background, watching the needs of others. And it has eventually, you know, turned into who I am, you know, today. <clears throat> okay, let's, let's go backwards. Right now, you're, you are executive director of the Pontiac Promise Zone. I want you to tell us about that, but let's go backwards. Okay. I met you a few years ago, maybe four years ago or so, when you were working with the Wellness Plan, which is now part of another health organization. Uh, Actually, way before were, that, Charlene, you, you met me when um, I was at Oakland Primary Health Services right before the um, Oh, right, 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 right. Back in 2008, when right. you were talking about the Affordable they Care Act. That's right, right, right. <laughs> when that, when nobody knew what that was. Yep, yep. It was Obamacare, it was not going to be any good. And you were signing, yeah, o yes, Oakland, um, yeah, you, you, it was the same building. And that, then it moved on to the wellness plan. Correct. But, you know, you, yeah, you were helping people get signed up for insurance um, and, and also helping to guide people into you know, what to do, who to see to get medical care. Right. Because a lot of people didn't have private insurance, and many people did not speak English. Mm -hmm. uh, you were working really at a deficit yeah. and having to figure it all out. Yeah. But you did it. You did it. Um, Across and then you moved on too. to where you are now. <laughs> three counties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you were doing Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb. Correct. And so, um, what was that experience like? And have you left back completely, or do you still, you know, help out a little bit in that arena? Well, <clears throat> I <clears throat> believe that that was a very transformative um, time um, because it, that was the time that millions of people who never had access to health care, dental care, behavioral health support, and never in their lives were now actually able to go and see a doctor for the very first time, you know, in their life or to have insurance for the very first time in their lives and just navigating insurance. Those of us who know what having insurance is didn't per se have that big, big of an issue, but for somebody who never had access to health insurance, having to find a doctor, having to find somebody who looks like you or who can relate to you and finding, you know, affordable, uh, you know, healthcare or going somewhere where somebody is not going to, charge you, you know, your left kidney. So that was a, t a transformative time in this country in general, but in this community, you know, if you talk about Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb County, where, you know, you have some pockets of vulnerable people, poor people, who are like, well, now I got insurance, so now what do I do? <laughs> so who's going to help mm -hmm. me understand this? And that's where I came in. It's like, and hey, many people. And I guess many people were probably sacrificing their health, even though they knew they had health problems, Correct. they didn't feel well or something hurt, but they would just say, well, maybe it'll go away, or I don't have the money to deal with it, so they just move on to something else, and that condition could worsen. Right. Um, how was it for you, 
and how was it for those that need help? Once you put them on track to get the health care, to see the doctor, the dentist, the behavioral uh, therapist, that kind of thing, what, what was the gratification that you got and what was the feedback that you got from them? You know, I think that, you know, in that time period from 2008 to, um, you know, just two years ago, uh, when I made the decision to to leave um, the community engagement sphere and just uh, take on another, um, you know, uh, role, is that people really became dependent on, you know, my opinion. And they were comfortable, if anything, saying, hey, I'm, you know, that lady Coco Mulder, uh, you know, I heard you on Charlene's show or, hey, I, you know, you got a, you know, you got a blog and, and I'm listening to it or I'm reading it um, or I saw you on Facebook Live and you really helped me understand, you know, the different areas of, you know, my health care that I should be, you know, taking advantage of. And I think in that, that was like the blessing for me is just to help people help themselves and to make healthy choices and healthy decisions without any reservation. And I think that, you know, for those thousands of people, because it's in the thousands of people who I was helping or able to help, um, that even if they called me today, right, and said, Ms. Coco, I have a question, there's no doubt in my mind that I would stop doing what I'm doing and connect them to somebody that would help them find the answer. And that's just the, you know, that's just my character. That's just who I am. I don't, I don't know how to not do that, you know, find the answer for somebody, you know. And that's important, you know, in this community, like we have to be able to help one another, um, even if it's just the smallest thing of, can you find the telephone number for me, Miss Coco, to a, a dentist that lives near uh-huh. me? Sure, I can, even though I'm not doing that anymore. You know what I'm saying? What are, thinking back, and I know you've seen a lot of different situations, families, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? When I say the worst, just the most heart-wrenching situation that a client, a family, or an individual has been in that you were able to help? Well, I will tell you one of the worst situations that I was in being a person who um, had relationships with all kinds of organizations and entities. Um, I had this working um, relationship with Child Protective Services that when they would have families who needed you know, behavioral health support, family support, um, or they needed to get into the doctor, you know, in an emergency where we made this, um, we, we had this kind of uh, intake form that CPS could use so that they could basically go to the front of the line to help this family. And um, basically, CPS um, gave me enough courtesy to make these assessments because I am a psychologist by trade um, to help these families make good, healthy choices for their children. And I can say that there was one case where a mother allowed her child um, to be in the care of the father in Wayne County. She lived in Oakland County. And as a result, that that little baby um, broke her legs. And I was responsible for helping that, that you know, child not only get health care, but also to get, you know, to an orthopedic specialist and all of this kind of stuff. And the mother was just non-compliant. She, she just couldn't do it. And it broke my heart to see that baby suffering because the mother just was detached. And CPS ended up removing that child. And I'm grateful that they did because I believe that that baby probably wouldn't have lived the next year. 
uh, in my assessment. And so that's like one of my worst situations is having, you know, to see a baby who had no desire, any choice in being here, uh, have to suffer at the, at the hands of her parents. So those are now, her let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. was, was that a case of ne neglect or abuse? She said the Both. baby broke her face. Both. How did the baby Both. break it? Um, yeah, that's the, that's the, you know, crux of the issue. You know, they couldn't come up with, the father couldn't come up with um, a good enough answer for the emergency provider at the time. And the, the provider said, there's no way that this baby just failed. You know, that's what, that was what the story was, but that was not what happened. That baby literally had to have a uh, surgery to repair her bones. And where, who has the child now? Oh, she's somewhere in like, don't quote me, like Troy or Rochester with a, a family who has her and has had her since. And, you know, they're very kind enough to do check-ins with me, even though I'm not in that sphere, just to let me know that she's okay. But she's oh, she's okay. the child is safe and in a much yes. better environment. Yes. Oh, so that's that's good to hear. That just kind of gives me the shivers yeah. to hear about something like that because I know that it's you know it's not uh, it's not an isolated case. No. Uh, as we speak, there's some child being neglected or abused somewhere out no. here. No. And um, it's, it's, it's really uh, okay. But then you you segue. It's not that you didn't like what you were doing, and she said you're still kind of doing that, uh -huh. and much of it, you know, as volunteer work, just because you like to help people, but you moved into, um, I don't want to call it corporate, what, okay, this, the I just moved into a non a, a different non-profit sphere. A non <laughs> I went okay. back into education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so describe the promise zone, because there's a Pontiac Promise Zone, which you are the executive director of, but there are Promise Zones in other um, other jurisdictions. Correct. So what is the Promise Zone? So there are 13 Promise Zones in the state of Michigan, and as it, as it states, it's a zone. So it's based on your zip code or your, you know, area code, per se, wherever your um, community resides. And so Pontiac's Promise Zone uh, covers um, all of the students who actually attend Ten schools in Pontiac or live in the school district of the city of Pontiac and they are in the voting district of the city of Pontiac and that's how all of the zones are set up so if you don't live in the city if you don't go to school in the city then you don't benefit from the zones funding and so each zone is accountable for setting um, a dollar amount of helping students who graduate from high school walk into post-secondary opportunities. And so in Pontiac, we actually offer up to $36,000 to any child that graduates in the city of Pontiac and lives in the city of Pontiac and decides that they want to go to community college, they want to go to college, they want to do a skilled trade, they want to get a certificate, they want to be a tattoo artist, they want to be a barber, a beautician. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to take a short break of mm -hmm. $36,000. $36, yeah. That's a lot of money. <laughs> we want to make sure that people know about this. We want to make sure that everybody knows about it. And uh, after the break, you'll tell us how people can apply for it. Okay. And uh, so far, so good. Um, you know, because we're getting, you know, we're getting into uh, 
graduation time in a couple yes, of months. And when people should when people should uh, check this out. So Coco, don't go away. We'll be right back. And if you'd like to call in, our number is three one three seven seven eight seventy six hundred. Don't go away. Stay tuned to Mind Your Business with Charlene Mitchell. We'll be right back. The following message has been brought to you by the doctors of Horsley Foot and Ankle. Hello, Detroit. This is Kim. It's time for Mind Your Business with Emmy Award winning broadcast journalist Charlene Mitchell. And we're back here talking with our good friend Coco Mulder. She is the executive director of the Pontiac Promise Zone. We were talking about the funding that the Promise Zone is able to award to various students in the Pontiac School District. They either have to live in Pontiac or go to school in one of the Pontiac area schools. Why don't you name those schools? Because some people don't live in the city of Pontiac. So we're talking about um, Arts and Technology Academy of Pontiac, Arbon Hills Christian, Baldwin Christian School, Heritage Christian School, uh, the International Technology Academy, Life Skills of Pontiac, Notre Dame Prep School, um, Oakland Christian, Pontiac Academy for Excellence, and of course, Pontiac High School. So those are our 10 schools that we support financially um, for young people when they make a decision you know, to become successful in the next stage of their lives. Now, where does this money come from? It comes from the tax revenue. It comes from where? The tax revenue, the city tax. It comes from the tax. Um, but it's really? Yeah. Yep. That much there's no federal funding involved in it. No, ma'am. No, we are we are <laughs> we are happy to not have the feds involved in you know this particular uh, state initiative because this is really uh, a benefit to the city and the people who pour into the city and businesses that pour into the city. Um, and you know when you start adding the feds to it, then it gets all all messed up. Yeah, well, sometimes the federal government can uh, <laughs> make things. Take longer than should. Uh, <laughs> we tend to have delays and complications and all kinds of things. Sometimes it's better to keep it right in house. When you do say thirty-six thousand dollars, yes, is that a total pot of money? No, so each kid qualifies for up. We always say up to thirty-six thousand, and what that means is that our organizations are always last dollar in. Okay, and that means that a kid can go to school. And um, their tuition bill, because we don't support room and board, we are really pushing the house to go ahead and approve us uh, supporting kids in their room and board. But right now we don't. We only cover tuition. And so say a kid does their FAFSA, their FAFSA is completed. FAFSA will say, we give you this amount in funding. You'll have this amount in loans. And we don't calculate no loans in particular. But the kid will have a balance of say three hundred and three thousand two hundred forty bucks. They'll submit their mm -hmm. um, their college transcripts to us. They'll submit their bill to us, 
and then what we will do is write a check to cover the 3240 for that semester for the kids so the pontiac chromosome each semester if you are a freshman or a sophomore will give a kid up to four thousand a semester and if they are juniors or seniors we'll give them up to five thousand a semester and we give every kid every semester a four hundred dollar book um reimbursement because nobody wants to be in debt I mean, that's a, a totally different topic that, you know, we can go on and on about. Some people graduate with their various degrees and, you know, they're 50 years old, they're still paying for college because why did I bother? You know, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous that people owe so much money just to get an education when in many other countries, you know, higher education does not cost a lot of yep. money. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's free. Mm-hmm. Or in some countries, you can even go to law school for free. Yep. Medical school for free. And it, and it, it tends to to um, elevate the standards of your country and the workforce when more people are educated. So how many, how many families um, are taking advantage of this? Do you find that are people still saying, oh, we didn't know, or do they now know? Well, because yeah. I know with you at the helm, yeah. I know you're making, you're, you're shouting from the rooftop, come and get the money. <laughs> yeah, prior to me becoming the executive director for the organization, there was this, what are you talking about, lady, type, um, you know, re- you know, respond. And so I've been doing, um, I started in May, uh, June of last year, um, and I have really just been boots on the ground. Uh, going to all kinds of events and, and going to, you know, uh, churches and all that kind of stuff, really talking to the community at large about taking advantage. And most recently, I've just started to go from classroom to classroom, starting in seventh and eighth grade, talking to the young people about making good choices so that because they're already scholarship recipients. And so if I can get a kid mm-hmm. to change their behavior before they get to high school so that they are on track to graduate and do what they need to do, then they know that they already are going to have a scholarship and they don't have to worry about how am I going to pay for school? How am I going to get myself over the hump of post-secondary access? What has been the response from parents, especially parents who knowingly do not have the means to hardly pay their bills, nevertheless send their child to college, even though they may want to. Well, it, you got two types of parents, Charlene. You got first-gen um, households where no parent in the household um, or family member in the household has ever gone to college, so they really just don't have, a, they just don't know what they don't know. And then you have those parents who have had the struggle of going to college or a community college and you know, had to work and, and go to school at the same time and, you know, have, you know, had the struggle of success. And so when you have those two types of households, um, and not to mention, you know, the uh, Hispanic, you know, households, it is very important to make them feel comfortable and understand the process so that they're not afraid of it. Because FAFSA, the free federal a- a- application for financial aid is horrendous. And so that's what the biggest fear oh, is. Yes, I, 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 I've seen it. I, I've seen it. It's a, it's a very um, time-intensive. There's uh, a, a million questions. They want to know every little thing. What time do you get up in the morning? Yeah. 
you know, you have to check. And a lot of people get exhausted from the process, and they, and they don't complete it. Yep. And yeah. so we, we walk, and, we and walk they quit, families through and that. they don't, yeah. You're used to walking families through everything. <laughs> exactly. It's easy for me. You know, how do you balance home and work life? Because you have a very, very um, busy workload. Um, you, you go beyond the call of duty, but you're a wife and a mother. You have, yeah. you know, two children. Who, 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 and I know from talking to you and seeing some of your posts, your kids are busy. Yes. They're in a lot of stuff. Yes. How do you swing it? I swing it by using the calendar. You know, I make sure that I I pin everything on the calendar so that I make sure that I am where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there and that when it's work time, it's work time. And when it's school time and kid time, it's school and kid time. There may be some times like, you know, like tonight where, you know, I may have to, you know, blur the lines like I'm watching this new anime with my son, uh, we own like week three or four of watching, you know, 700 episodes of it. But, you know, you fit it in. And he's like, Mommy, what time do you have to get on, you know, on the radio tonight? And I said, I got to call in at 800 episodes. Did you say 700? Yeah. Were you making that up? No. You being funny? No, I'm not making it up. I, I, I am now on season three watching this with my son. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, you and know, I, it, and it's the it's the engagement, you know. It's, some, it's something you that he enjoys. Girl scout, yeah, you got a girl scout. I do, okay. I do. I'm a girl scout troop leader. <laughs> and, and we have uh, uh, athletics. Yep, he's okay. in baseball. She's in tennis. Oh, She's in piano. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I have to fit it That's in. Most women do, though, Charlene. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about Women's History Month, and I believe that most women, right, are out here wearing multiple hats. We are wearing these multiple hats, and I just say that, you know, if you are a person that's wearing multiple hats, that you got to have some self-care. You've got to throw self-care in there for yourself. Like, you have to have a mental, you got to take a mental health day, you know, I got that from one of my. You own. are a psychologist. So that's what we <laughs> talk about. Yes. How do we do? When do we know that? Okay, stop. I need time for me. When do you know that? Do you know that when, when you're at your boiling point? Or how do you discover it before you get to your boiling point? I know for me, Charlene, when my schedules merge and I don't realize it that I need to take a moment. Like, you know, like today was really a mental health day for me where I'm like, I'm going to take the kids to school and then I'm going to come home and I'm just going to cook myself breakfast and I'm just going to sit, have coffee, and I'm just going to do nothing. And that's what I did today. I had an avocado. I, you know, put my little, you know, seasoning on it. And then I didn't turn on the TV or anything. I just sat in quiet. Because it's usually never quiet. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, yeah, sometimes you just want silence. You reminded me, I have an avocado that uh, I put out to ripen. Uh-huh. And I think it's right yesterday. And I, and I forgot to eat it. So maybe I'll have that in the morning. <laughs> That's what I, I have like. for breakfast, yep. 
you know, Coco, it is always a pleasure to have you with us. I wish you, um, you know, oh, well, gosh, I just got a note that our next guest, who's supposed to be on at 9.30, won't be calling in until 10 o'clock. So we're just going to keep you with us if we can. Stay tuned to mind your business with Okay, okay, so we'll go ahead and take a break, Kevin, and, uh, Coco's going to stay with us. Thank you. Thank you, Coco. Thank you, Amy. This with Charlene Mitchell. We'll be right back. Charlene Mitchell. And we're back here. There's a little bit of a change in our format tonight. I said earlier that Charmaine Bond, who has a couple of businesses, including Coco Gorgeous, um, she has a hair and wig business. Uh, hair extensions and wigs and she's doing a lot of things with uh, women who lost their hair due to cancer. But she's uh, running through an issue so she won't be with us. But I'm really, really appreciative of Coco Mulder for staying on. I found out just in time to get me to stay. But let's, let's talk about Women's History Month and some women's issues. And of course, Coco, the biggest thing this week that we've all been uh, glued to the television is the order uh, hearing, the, uh, the Senate hearing for the Supreme Court nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, contentious. I mean, it got almost, well, personally, I thought it was just embarrassing. It was almost like a contract. I could not believe these were elected officials speaking to someone of her caliber in the manner that they addressed her. But she held her own. She stayed composed. And uh, hopefully she's going to be confirmed. Yeah, it would be, it would you be, uh, it would be really ridiculous um, if she wasn't. And why do you say that? Well, first of all, it's hypocritical of, you know, those people uh, who would put uh, their uh, ignorance before what is right, right? They're just ignorant. And the woman's record, her integrity, you know, who she is as an honorable judge in the first place, gives her the right to, you know, compete as anybody else would have. And I think that as black women and women in general, you know, we're all we're we're always having to elevate ourselves to a level that nobody else has to. Always. Because some of us saw uh, the past two nominees who were confirmed, including a man that was um, accused of rape. Exactly. Um a very uh, classy, intelligent woman who put her entire reputation and her family's reputation on the line to come forward and tell some stories that were quite embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And she was ridiculed. She was not believed. And Kavanaugh uh, was confirmed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then right after that, Amy Comey Barrett mm-hmm. um, didn't really, she, she kind of went through with flying colors and the Democrats didn't really chew these people up and spit them out no. like the Republicans are doing this woman. And I'm, I'm really insulted by it. I, I really am. Yeah, it's pretty pitiful. I mean, it, it's really pitiful. And, um, I, you know, I have pur- purposely kind of tried, you know, usually I'm just glued to the TV, Charlene, and, and, and you know, I'm listening. And honestly, um, you know, I go and I, I listen to y'all. Like, I go read and read what you all say on, you know, in social media. And I, I look at the Twitter and, I, and I'm and i trying to, you know, kind of not 
watch it because even in, in the role that I am in as an executive director and, um, you know, it's a very difficult job to be that person who is leading an organization in, in, in it's a transformed situation. People just are not ready. They don't want to be ready. You know, they, they don't want to, you know, shift who they are being or how they have been acting because now, you know, this person is going to be looking at you to say, you know, you are out of order. This is not acceptable. Right. I'm kind of beating around the bush, and I know you may not want to be specific, but I'm kind of reading through the lines here. Uh, when black women get into certain positions, uh, many times older white men yes. have a hard time accepting it. Now, I don't want to paint everybody with a broad brush. Right. Because there are older white men and younger white men who are very supportive of us and, in fact, you know, help us to get where we want to be. Right. But it takes a couple of them, like the ones that we saw screaming, and I think, you know, yeah. absolutely work. On television yesterday, you know, to, to throw the whole thing out of whack. Yeah. Um, do you think that a certain element of our society has been uh, conditioned from the last president to kind of think that this is okay? To be this way? I believe so. I believe so. I believe that, or <laughs> if I could be quite frankly, they they become they're becoming unraveled because of the nature of the country as he has put it this way, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I could give you examples, uh, but I won't. In my you know foray into the executive leadership position, I have on many occasions had to bite my tongue, sit on my hands, and not go ham diggity boom because somebody has made a, a, a comment as if, you know, well, you know, I didn't vote for you or, um, you know, you're doing a great job, but, um, you know, maybe you should do the following. And, uh, you know, you hear these micro-aggressive statements and, you know, do you take the high road? Of course you do. But you know what they're saying. And many times, many times i found in, in my, you know, long history of being in media and, and years ago when I first started television, that a lot of times people will say things to you and uh, you don't say anything back because, you, you know, years ago we didn't know how we would be perceived. Right. But you think about it, and you go, you know, this wasn't right. How did they, I mean, and many times, these comments come from people who really are envious of you. Yes. Because credentials are so far less than your credentials. Yeah. You know, you're a psychologist. Oh, how, the, how dare you, you, you know, how dare you come in and know more than I know? How dare you come in and you can, you know, get this in order in three months and we haven't gotten it in order in 10 years. I mean, I'm, I hear it and I'm maybe, like, what? Maybe, maybe they're incompetent. And, and sometimes I think when we get to, were we as women, all women, and then in particular black women, minority women, ever get to the point where we will be able to really speak our truth mm-hmm. and look these uh, folks in the eye and say, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down, take a take seat. Let me explain something to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, in all of my case, 
when will we be able to do that without fear of repercussion, without fear of losing our job? You know, that that's a good question, Charlene, um, because there are a lot of um, powerful, intelligent, um, efficient, and wonderful uh, Black women in leadership. And I can guarantee you that they have all, in some form or fashion, felt the same way. Like, why do I have to, you know, do or lesser myself to make this person feel good about themselves? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, why? And it's just like, when do we be, when you stop being timid? The job that you have now mm-hmm. is very different from the job you had in, in healthcare and over at Wellness Plan and with Oakland Health, um, which which one were you more free to do your own thing without being micromanaged? The the the, the um, community engagement. Okay, because you really kind of set your own pace Correct. and like you did I your created, own thing. I created this. Working. Okay. So you, you kind of created the program yes. yourself. Mm-hmm. I developed and, uh, it. So that was my baby. So, you know, if you wanted to mm-hmm. be the best at that, then you came to me so that I could train you to be the best for whatever company, what other, other health center you worked for. So they would come to me and say, Coco, how do we do this? And I'd say, okay, let's work it this way. How do you build community? How do you build, uh, how do you get organizations connected to you? You know, how do you develop this program? How do you develop a kidney pro? Like, I got to do that. Like, I got to do that on a scale that other people got to benefit. When you become an executive leader, you then have a board that you answer to, but you also answer to the community because you have a job to do in giving kids scholarships. And that's your mission, is to help kids build an opportunity that will change their lives. And a lot of people don't get the mission and the vision of their company because they can't get past you, a black woman. <laughs> it's a you know, and that's um, because every day that we get up and go out to do our thing, whatever that is, the job, we know that before the eight, nine, ten hours of the, of the work day, somebody is going to say something or do something it's going to rock the boat. There's always that one that uh, they get up in the morning with a different attitude than you get up with. Correct. And they, there's something that's bugging them and they just got to say it. And it makes them feel good to be able to uh, to disrupt things. They're, you know, there's disruptors, you know, stuff starters, I call them. But I don't mean stuff. Stuff starters. Yeah, <laughs> that's what like they are. Keep things, they mess, yeah. they, they mess things going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, that's unfortunate because we could do so much more. Okay, what's the promise, though? I want to get back to that. Uh-huh. Is there, um, what's the balance in the applicant, uh, boys to girls? What's the balance between uh, male to female? Um, we we traditionally uh, support more females than males. We traditionally support more Hispanic males than black males. And I would like to change that and increase the, the whole difference of all male or females by 20% within the next year. Of, of this year alone, like in 10 years, we've spent 1.5 million 
And in my uh-huh. tenure, we have already given out over 500,000 in scholarships between last semester and this semester. Awesome. Well, sorry about that. Coco, thank you for hanging here with us. I believe that uh, Charmaine has called in. We're going to uh, give her this last little segment. But again, congratulations on the great work that you do. You are one of our ninth and mind your business honorees for Women's History Month. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, and we'll be right back with Charmaine.